right, welcome back everybody from uh, an extended absence. Want to first give a shout out to our buddy David, who's sick with the COVID right now. Can't be here, even though he's in Iowa. Uh, we still love you, buddy, and we miss you. Um, God, they got David. He's in on it now. Yeah, <laughs> David got the pandemic. Finally, got a hold of the Texas Triangle. Oh, Jesus Christ, we're already off the rails. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, all ten of you or so, but we're we're happy to be here again, and uh, we want to talk Texas hoops. So, how are you, John? I missed you. I missed you too, man. Uh, I'm back in Austin Yay. after spending uh, a little more than half a year in San Antonio. Um, Decided to come back for, you know, career reasons and, you know, I just kind of missed Austin. Love San Antonio. San Antonio's home, but I got to admit, I'm glad to be back here. Nice, man. Well, I'm glad you're back, too, because now we get to see each other's beautiful faces as often as we can. And instead of having to travel an hour to do so. So, um, shit, should we just dive right in? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's talk, dive right in. Talk about the Rockets. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, the elephant in the room with all Rockets fans right now is Steven Silas and how much longer is this ridiculousness going to go on? Um, anybody who's listened to us for a while knows I'm a big supporter or have been a big supporter, but man, I was expecting some improvement this year and let's just say there has not been any and if anything, it's kind of gone the other direction as far as cohesiveness and it's rough, man. And I, a lot of people are wondering if it's maybe finally time. Yeah. You know, I did not expect the Rockets to be a team that I would use the adjective languishing for. Yeah. Um, there, there's really no reason for this team to be so unwatchable. Um, there's really no reason for this team to struggle offensively with the talent that they have. I mean, other than, you know, maybe a lack of experience, which perhaps is a valid excuse, but this team has talent and it just looks like there's really no plan for the present. Exactly. Uh, there's no cohesiveness. The rotations are bizarre at best. Um, a lot of guys that I think should be prioritized if the objective is development this year are not even playing. Um, guys who are clear impact performers that are really positively impacting the game are just not getting enough minutes in favor of people who aren't. Uh, yep. It's just very bizarre. I don't know what's going on other than everybody knows the writing's on the wall and this is the last tank season that we can just suck unabashedly but i think you can do it and look like an actual basketball team by now um, yeah. a lot of these guys have been there for the long haul with steven silas not just last year uh and it, it just keeps looking the same or worse and it's just it's scary it's it's weird to see mm. i don't know man I, I, but but I, I think there's a question not being asked because Rockets Twitter is an emotional place. We tend to be <laughs> knee-jerk and rah and fire off our anger and, and, yes, fire Steven Silas, but John Lucas becomes the interim head coach in the meantime. What have we seen from him that shows that that would really be that much of a better option as far as watchability, playability of this team? That's and, you know, the thing about Lucas is the, the big selling point on him is he's a culture guy. He's going to help establish the culture. I don't know how much evidence we really have to suggest that that's been the case. I mean, there wasn't much of a culture besides whatever James wants while Harden was there. Um, there isn't a much of a culture now, and he's still he's second in command in, in both of those stops for a large portion of the time with Harden. And now yeah. with Silas, he's basically associate head coach. 
Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I think he individually really impacts a lot of players for the positive. I think his story can help a lot of guys. And I think he is not devoid of developmental abilities, but I just don't see him as a modern NBA head coach thus far. I, I don't think the evidence is there that he's really going to be the one to right the ship and find that balance of making it look like a real team. Uh, it's just, it's a weird situation. And I just kind of, I keep landing on, I want Silas to just finish out the year at the very least, because what else do we, I mean, what the hell do we have to lose really? Unless it completely just goes sideways and it guys, can't get much worse. Exactly. And, and nobody seems pissed off to the point where they're going to fucking leave at halftime or refuse to check in or, or not shoot while they check in. Like it was last year. Like we don't have that, black cloud of the the christian wood bad attitude that makes everybody else kind of feel shitty about being there everybody oh. seems in, in on the project but it's a hell of a project right now man it's just ugly to watch for long stretches of the game it's um, it's still early in the season i think point. we have to we have to always have that qualifier um if i were to set a timetable for silas i would think maybe a week or two after the all-star game that's fair. Because with young players, you see them quite often turn it on after the All-Star break. So if we get to week one, week two after the All-Star break and it looks the same, it might be time to move on. Yep. The, the question is, who, who, who do you hire in that place? I'm, we just discussed why Lucas might not be the best option. And if we look around the league, a lot of the most successful coaches lately have been guys who have been plucked out of the G League. Mm -hmm. or the college ranks on occasion, rather than guys who've been career assistants like Lucas and Silas. So, yeah. uh, and maybe the Rockets just... usually have a deep bench there. Sorry yeah. to interrupt, but yeah. like Chris Finch from the Timberwolves, maybe mm -hmm. not the best example right now because the Wolves look like dog shit, but uh, prior to this season and the Rudy <laughs> Gobert trade, the Wolves were plucky and fun and looked yeah. like they were turning a corner in large part because of Chris Finch. Uh, he came from the Rio Grande Vipers. Uh, there's just a lot of options in-house, but I think Kenny Atkinson is the sexy name for Rockets Twitter. Uh, go out and get Kenny. But hit, look at what he just turned down Charlotte with a very polite fuck you, no thanks, never mind. Like, and I just see him maybe looking at the Rockets and being like, man, what the fuck are you guys doing down there that's any better? Uh, besides not committing crimes, at least. <laughs> well, just personally for me, I think Houston would be a more enticing option as a head coach because there's... There's already a wider talent base. True. There is some semblance of organizational stability, at least in the front office. Um, I, I don't think Stone's going anywhere anytime soon. Oh, no. And I think Stone's done a fantastic job, yeah. too, honestly. I, there's two or three moves that I really question that he's made. Uh, the favors thing was weird. But uh, other than that, like, uh, and, and Tice. Tice was a bit of a bummer, but he got out of he, – he's – He's a lot more willing to say this doesn't work very quickly than a lot of GMs, I think, would be. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm all in on Stone. I think he should stick around for a while. And then for, for Tita, for, you know, all of the things that you could say about him, he hasn't proven himself to be a fickle owner. No, he's actually, in the last two years, I think, really, the tank seemed to really humble and make him refocus and learn things mm -hmm. about how things are supposed to run. The Harden situation that he walked into when he bought the team is kind of a spoiling like you could get spoiled by that situation and be an entitled brat about the way your team is run after that but he's been actually pretty measured and, and cool about this yeah. i think honestly we got to give credit where credit's due even though it's fucking weird nepotism like patrick fertita probably has a lot to do with that yeah. as kind of the, the bridge between stone and 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 papa tillman 
who, by the way, decided it was a good idea to bring out his good friend, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, <laughs> to Elvin Hayes' uh, jersey retirement ceremony. And it was just, the whole arena just rained down booze on him. It was fucking great. Like, <laughs> like, oh, no, Tillman, come on. You can't keep hanging out with Ted Cruz. You're making us all look bad as Rockets fans, dude. Just, just stop, <laughs> please. But... Um, Moving on, there there's some positives we can take away from the Rockets this year. I think KJ Martin has had an insane jump in, in, in development this offseason that nobody saw coming. Everybody just thought he was pouting about a trade demand, and mm. turns out he was working his ass off, and he's been phenomenal uh, defensively, especially. He's jumped off the map, I think, to me. Um, Shingun still looks fantastic when they're actually using him correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest revelation I think we both want to talk about is Tari Eason. Uh, just incredible that a rookie could come in looking as prepared as he has, especially given the situation we've been describing with Houston. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just to rewind a little bit to go back to KJ, I mean, he was a guy that you could see the silhouette of a really effective role player. And I don't know if it was utilization or opportunity, but this season it seems like it's coming into a little bit more fruition because that, that guy – has the ability and the skill level to contribute on a high level on a good team. I'm not saying a star or even really a full-time starter or anything like that, but he's a useful player. Big time. Key, key component to a yeah. to, to, to team, no matter what that, that usage ends up being. Yeah, no, he's awesome. Uh, his shot looks smoother. His handle looks smoother. Uh, he's just more complete as a basketball player, but still has that crazy bounce and athleticism. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been fun to see KJ kind of tell everybody that was there was a large portion of us on Rockets Twitter, myself included, that were kind of snickering at the notion of this <laughs> 54th pick that we traded for being having the gall to demand a trade because he wasn't getting enough minutes. And now we kind of see like, oh, shit, he, he bet on himself and he knew he was right. So good on KJ. Good on the Rockets for not bending to that demand, and now he's getting good minutes, and, and he's, yeah. he's doing a lot with them, and everybody seems like it's fine. So uh, that's cool to see. Uh, I just I wish he would play a little bit more, and I wish he would play a little bit more in key, key times of the game because Silas, but I don't know, man. We could do a whole pod on the rotations. They're so bizarre. Yeah. But, uh, whatever. We, we won't beat that dead horse. Let's keep talking positives, you know? Uh, well, Tari Eason, Rookie of the Year. Is it a possibility? I don't think it is, but I'd be pretty... Uh, I think he's going to be in the running for first-team All-Rookie. Definitely. Especially if he gets a little more usage throughout the season. I mean, we talked about him prior to the draft. He was a guy that I really liked for the Spurs at nine. He has the physical profile, similar to that of a, a Kawhi Leonard. Huge hands, long arms. Mm-hmm. Is a pest defensively. Relentless. I think he uh, is, um, if not leading the NBA, very close to the top of the NBA in deflections. He's just, he's everywhere. Um, the question with him coming in was IQ. And it looks like he's going to be better in that department already. It kind of seems like a silly question at this point. Yeah, yeah like, what do you mean? What was wrong with his IQ? He's been, since day one, he's been making the right reads and decisions on everything. Yeah, if you, if you, if you look at his stuff in college and LSU, you know, it, it looked like he was figuring things out. Mm. Um, but he seems like a guy who really just kind of put his nose to the grindstone and studied and, you know, 
also, also, you know, the everything in Houston is a shit show right now, organizationally. So he's been a standout in that regard. Yes. So I don't know. I mean, it, it just feels good that um, this team was able to find that guy just right outside of the lottery. And uh, I don't know, where would you rank him amongst the other prospects on this team? Honestly, very close to the top. I'd probably have him as, like, I think Shingun this season has shown another level that I didn't anticipate um, in terms of being able to, like, lead the team like it seems like he's barking orders and he's moving calling sets and doing things that last year seemed like he was a little more timid about and uh but i, I would put tari as the next highest excitement level probably as weird as that sounds with Jalen green on the team um I, I just think tari eason has come in and just shocked me his his offensive prowess and the way he doesn't look as lost on that end as everybody said he would, probably. Mm. His shot looks pretty smooth. Uh, he's making smart cuts. He's moving without the ball. He's actually passing fairly well. I just think that it's rare to see a player who comes in and stabilizes an entire team the way he does as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I, I can't anticipate. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to way overshoot it and, and be way too over-optimistic about Tari Eason, but the excitement level for him is really high, I think, on my end. Would you be willing to bet that he has a better overall career than Jabari Smith Jr. right now? Ooh. See, that's tough. I don't think so. Just based on the last couple of games, I think Jabari's just kind of a late bloomer as far as figuring it out. Mm. I think he is starting to. I'm not terribly worried about him. The shot's going to come. He's just in a little funk, and it seems a little nervous about it because he's in a little funk. Uh, oh, that's a tough question, though. I don't know. The yeah. defensive impact of Tari Eason in the NBA has been light years ahead of Jabari Smith, which is the weirdest thing to me because Jabari was supposed to be the, this defensive menace, one through five, who could shoot like clay. <laughs> and, uh, well, luckily, you don't have to choose between those guys because you have both of them. Very and true. they're both very versatile players. <laughs> um, Jabari Smith Jr., Rockets fans have been rough on him since Summer League. And I would just like to remind everyone that until the All-Star break, Jalen Green's rookie season, he was a bottom five player in the NBA. Yep. And he hadn't been a whole lot better this season other than the scoring margins and the percentages are nicer on the offensive end. But if you look yeah. at like the TPA, the total stats, that <sighs> Jalen's still looking pretty rough. But better, better. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just, in terms of his rookie season, it was night and day before and after the All-Star break. Big time. Uh, so let's not, let's not be too rough on this kid you know um but Tari Eason's awesome Tari Eason's awesome um how about Usman Garuba Garuba the last few games has really like elbowed his way into the rotation which is an incredibly tough thing to do with Steven Silas's team um but no he looks awesome he's missed two three three pointer I think he's missed three three pointers all season which is just incredibly encouraging because a lot of people had him sealing out at as like a kind of i don't know i've I've compared him to capella with a with a little bit smoother shot before i just think a lot of people had him as kind of that like we're rolling to the rim shot blocker Mm -hmm. type but he's he's got some range and a lot more iq he seems a lot quicker on his feet this year he's in better shape he's because he hasn't been hurt constantly Mm -hmm. and uh no garuba has me very very intrigued let's just say i feel like a pairing of him and shingun could actually work 
which is, it's been rare that the Rockets have been able to trot out big lineups instead of having to go gimmicky and go small to beat the big lineups. Uh, and that would just warm my heart a little bit. And that's something some that we said rebounding. they could do when they were drafted. Yep. Those are two guys that could play together. You know, the dynamics of this Rockets front court, um, as they play out over time, it's just going to be fascinating between Tari, Jabari, Shangun, Garuba. Um, Shit, Bruno has entered the conversation even when he, Bruno, he's KJ, hurt right now. Yeah. yeah, like it's wild. KJ has the benefit of being able to slide to the three it potentially mm-hmm. if you needed him to, but it's not ideal defensively. No. I wouldn't say it's a log jam yet because these guys are so young and they don't have defined roles necessarily, but man, I think the idea of Tari and Jabari starting at the 3-4, being able to play the 4-5 in crunch time long term is still so satisfying for me to think of. Um, and Shane Goon's been the best player on the team. Yeah, by a lot. Yeah, a un- lot unambiguously. Imagine. Definitely. Um, as far as completeness and readiness and, and yeah, impact. And, yes. impact for sure. Yep. It's him or Tari on the impact stat for sure. Tari but, maybe more so minute per minute, but, um, you know, with the opportunity Shane Goon's gotten, you know, has he been a top... 15 center in the NBA. I think that's... It's not a huge stretch. Not a stretch, yeah. Eh, not a stretch. I mean, especially if you're using advanced metrics, a lot of those are a little more favorable to mm-hmm. him than the traditional counting stats are. But, no, Shingun's looked phenomenal, and he's looked more the point guard than anybody else has on the roster as well. But that's an entire other can of worms that we don't necessarily need to get into <laughs> today. Yeah. The KPJ point guard experiment seems to kind of be dwindling by the day. Uh, Jalen's doing a lot more ball handling. Uh, him and K- him and Shingun are developing a nice little two-man game, honestly. And KPJ as a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter is lethal. So yep. that's the smart thing to do. So uh, back to the circle, all the way back to the Silas thing, and then we'll move on from the Rockets. But, like, I think incrementally moves are happening, and I think Twitter inherently wants these adjustments to happen overnight, but as a coach, you can't, in fairness, necessarily do that all the time. And you need to kind of let even bad things play out for four or five games because Mm -hmm. you got to see if it actually is bad or if it's just a short data set. So I, I kind of am a little bit more okay, there are some things that are moving in the right direction this last week or two. Silas, maybe he, he gets it too, but I also am wondering how much of that might be forced from the front office because it's looked so bad otherwise. <laughs> or, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories, I guess I have, but it's, it's bad getting slightly better. I say let's just see how much better it gets. And like you mm-hmm. said, at least to the All-Star break, give him a second. Yeah. Uh, time's gonna inform everything yeah exactly and we have plenty of it because this year they're still on the pick but yeah we've talked all this crazy rockets talk we beat it to death uh let's let's move on man to a kind of i don't even know somehow even more interesting season the spurs have had uh they started off we could have started off talking about how they were the overachievers like the jazz uh things have kind of leveled out now i don't know what you thinking talk let's talk spurs baby well, um, I think over the last 10 games, Greg Popovich has done an artful tanking job. Any, <laughs> anybody who can sit out has sat out. Um, obviously, the big elephant in the room here is what happened with Dr. Cawthon and Josh Primo. Um, might be in poor taste to, to just kind of skip over that. Uh, we haven't talked about it. I know all the Spurs fans that are currently listening 
have, you know, have already fleshed out all the details in their head and made their decisions. And, you know, frankly, there's still a lot we don't know about what happened internally with the Spurs organization and the decision-making that led to Dr. Cawthon ultimately deciding to file a lawsuit against the Spurs, which was later dropped and settled, I believe. There's a lot we don't know, so I don't want to get too in-depth in that. Um, You know, I'm glad Josh Primo is no longer on the team, and I hope Dr. Cawthon... Uh, is getting all the support and help and love that she needs to, you know, recover from the terrible things that he did to her. Well put, man. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I, I don't, I don't think we need to hover too far into that. We can maybe talk more about what's happening on the basketball court. Agreed. That's talk, where we have a lot yeah. more context and information, frankly. Yeah. Like, you know, like we would be purely speculating about something that's kind of not in good taste to speculate about that's for damn sure so no i'm I'm with you i I second that statement fully and yes also good riddance josh primo and get help yourself dude like yeah um so yeah i mean like you said the spurs season started off hot it was exciting you know i think the team was six and three at one point and a lot of spurs fans were wondering hey you know maybe maybe fuck the tank maybe 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 we, uh, you know, maybe we get a seventh seed or something. Hey, play in, play in. <laughs> Which is weird because that was, uh, you know, that was such a such a divisive topic last season. Yeah. But I think Greg Popovich has done a wonderful job of uh, helping the Spurs level things out. Um, you know, with his playing time decisions in terms of like who's sitting and who's not, and the Spurs are slowly on a trajectory toward the bottom of the league. I think they're currently 13th in the West. Just ahead of your Houston Rockets and the Los Angeles Lakers, which is hilarious. It's so funny that those three are bunched up at the bottom. Um, but that's not to say that there haven't been plenty of bright spots this season. Devin Vassell has taken a huge leap, I would say. Um, I've always been a big Devin Vassell guy, but right now he looks like a guy who could maybe be maybe a third option, second, third option on a on a contender. He's currently averaging. 24 and 4, uh, shooting 42% from three, uh, lethal from mid range. He's, he's a legit three tier score. He's an excellent mm-hmm. basketball player. Uh, Kelvin Johnson is currently leading the team in scoring, um, averaging almost 22 points per game, also shooting 41% from three. God, man. Uh, those two guys have been. Hot. Those two guys have been a thrill to watch. Who um, needs Chip England, man? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kelvin Johnson. Um, you know, I, I think the leap that Devin Vassell took is a little more striking than the improvements that we've seen from Kelton Johnson. Kelton Johnson has gotten better as well. I think he's shown more flashes as a passer, as a facilitator. He's had some, you know, fun sequences with Yaka Pertle running pick and rolls. Mm-hmm. Um. But ultimately, you know, there's that cliche in the NBA. There are 82 game players and there are 16 game players. I think Devin Vassell is a 16 game player. He's a guy that I'd be comfortable with going into the playoffs as a guy who's not going to get schemed off the floor by a good team. Uh, Whereas Kelton Johnson, I'm not so confident. Uh, Simply because um, I still have questions about his defense at a really critical position at the three. True. And or the, the four. Yeah, know, or the way, four. He's, yeah, he's undersized or he's a little slow. And the self-creation is still questionable. But good point. I was just going to say he needs someone yeah. to set him up. Um, 
But I mean, regardless, that, that that's not really an issue right now because the Spurs are far away from the playoffs. <laughs> but I, I did want to just you know heap some praise on Devin Vassell because that dude's awesome, um, and I'm really excited that he's going to be a part of this team for a long time. And you know, he's coming up on an extension this offseason. The Spurs could probably offer him a max extension. I wouldn't be surprised if he got that. Um, but the other big thing that's happening in San Antonio lately, um, we're hearing some Pirtle rumors that Boston might be interested in Pirtle. I think Zach Lowe also mentioned that, you know, teams could be calling about Doug McDermott. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, you know, what kind of return is possible for those guys and what other teams might be interested in them? I think the obvious, the Lakers are an obvious Pirtle destination just because they're trying everything they possibly can to improve the roster and add some talent. Um, but I don't think that makes any sense necessarily. <laughs> um, Boston could use a Pirtle. You're right. Pretty much anyone in the league could use a Pirtle, frankly. Like, he's fucking fantastic. Most Maybe the most underrated center in the entire NBA. Um, as far as the casual and national media goes, like I hear him mentioned so often as like an afterthought when they're talking about trade rumors. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess you could get Pirtle, but does that really move the needle? Blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, it really fucking moves the needle, especially defensively, but way less so offensively than you think. Like you think he's going to be this crazy net negative, but he's great on that end as well. Like he's a really capable screen setter. He's willing to do the dirty work. He gets offensive rebounds and he stays out of the way and he yeah. doesn't clog things up. And, and that's just like so invaluable to have a player of his intelligence level on your team is so valuable. And I think there's, any number of teams that are kind of getting off to a slow start could could and should really look at Yaga Pirtle. Um, I think he gets you at least a nice middle-of-the-road first-round pick, like middling protections, but I wouldn't mm -hmm. be surprised if you get a, get two for him. Yeah, um, I think that's a realistic return. Now, Yaga Pirtle, the player in the real world, is more valuable than that, but that's just yes. not the way the NBA works. Exactly. That's just not the way trades work. Um, you know, I was looking around, I thought maybe... Even Golden State would be interesting because, you know, maybe there's a package of, you know, Richardson and Pirtle and McDermott. Those guys would really shore up a lot of holes for that team. Yes, they would. The Kings, if they want to make an actual win-now run, yeah. could use a, a, a rim-running defending center. Um, they don't necessarily have that. Yeah. I mean, I would hate to see Pirtle go, man. He's awesome. He's a quintessential spur. Uh, Pop very clearly loves him, you know. He loves pulling out Duncan comparisons and just talking about how... David Robinson as well. David Robinson, which is yeah. strange. Very ludicrous even. But, but I love it, Pop. Get, keep gassing yeah. these kids up, man. It's fun. I do see some old man Duncan in his game. Like, I, I could... I, yeah. Like Not 2014 Duncan. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. That hook shotting from way too far out Duncan era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That... How... If you don't get that godfather offer for Pirtle, are you in any way upset if you just sticks around to help these kids develop? I don't think I would be, other than he does impact winning pretty pretty heavily. Um, is Pirtle enough of a tank fucker-upper? That was a new word you guys <laughs> can use if you'd like. But does, does Pirtle mess up the tank badly enough to worry about keeping him? Or is it kind of a situation where it's like, man, if we don't get the two firsts that we want or the good player in return for this, then why bother? Let's just keep Jakob Pertl. Like That's kind of where I almost land, I feel like, in most of the trade scenarios for the Spurs. Well, the one monkey wrench there is he's on an expiring deal. True. Uh, 
So it, I guess it comes down to the front office's confidence that they can bring him back in the offseason because he's going to get paid. Yeah. Um, and he's going to deserve it. Yeah. Personally, I don't like taking those sorts of risks. If I can get a good return for him around the all-star break, I, I probably pull the trigger. And I know that's not, you're, you're maybe not getting equitable value back, but you rarely ever do in trades, especially when you're trading good players. Yeah, when you're a bad team trying to shed good that talent, yeah. you're probably not going to get full dollar-for-dollar dollar return. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't ruin the tank. I mean, the Spurs have been losing just fine with him playing. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he does definitely increase the watchability of this team for me overall, so I, I, I will miss him if they trade him. And I don't love the idea of just trading him for middling first-round picks or one first-round pick or whatever. Uh, but then again, you can't lose him for nothing. True. What do you think about the Wiseman rumors? I've heard that one come up a couple times in the last few days. I don't think I like it. Wiseman's just not good, man. I don't think Wiseman is good, and I don't think Wiseman is going to be good either. And that's sad. I don't necessarily like writing guys off until the fat lady sings proverbially, but Wiseman just doesn't look comfortable to me no ever if wiseman developed in the javel mcgee that would be a huge turnaround for him yeah that's how that's yeah. how bad it is i love javel mcgee don't get me wrong but no, like you're, you're, javel mcgee's awesome yeah. but that's to say javel mcgee pre-draft and first few seasons of his career was projected to be awesome and yeah. then he just turned out to be pretty awesome you know that's that's kind of the he's a multi-time champion man yeah, he's, he he's he's and he impacted those championships yeah. Yeah, he's a good player. Yep. So maybe maybe JaVale McGee is a little lofty for him at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Shout out David one more time and call him Javali. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it, I, I mean, the, we're getting a little discursive here, but if any other team had botched that pick the way the Warriors botched it, it would be more of a discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would. Warriors he, have a nice track record of botched picks before they drafted Clay, Dre, and Steph. You know, they've, they've, they've got some fun ones in their history, I feel like. I mean, honestly, since then, their draft record hasn't been incredible. They hit on Poole, obviously, but... Yes. Maybe, can, obviously. Maybe Draymond fucked that up. I don't know. Poole looks pretty pretty icy to start this season, honestly. I mean, I can't blame him, but... No, I don't, can't either. I mean, you look at Kuminga, eh. question mark. Eh. Yeah promising in some aspects but you know Wiseman just looks like a total bust I really like Moody but he's not getting the opportunity you would want from him I mean if the Spurs could get Moody back I was just gonna say I would demand him if I were the Spurs and just see where the discussions go from there I wouldn't hate I mean I I don't know how attached the Warriors are to these young guys at this point because there was you know they had that narrative you know we're we're gonna do what the Spurs did and we've got our vet superstars and we're going to add these draft picks and we're going to develop them into superstars as well. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, it looks like the Warriors are going to die a, a natural death like any other dynasty. You know, let's fucking hope so, man. I'm so tired of these guys. So tired of these guys. <laughs> I mean, but back, back to the Spurs. All right. Yes, please. There's one other you. thing we got to talk about is Jeremy Sohan. Fuck yeah. Um, the man with the Easter egg for a head. He's awesome, dude. I love him. He's shooting like 16% from three. Yep. I mean, who cares? Like, <laughs> he's an outstanding defender. He's basically the backup point guard on this team. Um, you know, once or twice a game, he will have a dunk or a block that gets me off of my couch. He's awesome. You know, he's playing crunch time. Pop has a lot of faith in this kid, and Pop rarely does that with rookies, even in this rebuilding phase. Mm-hmm. 
that hasn't been the case. Uh, but it has with Sohan. And I, I see it with him. I, I see a special player. And when I say special, I don't mean superstar. But this guy is going to be an elite defensive player. He's going to be a key cog on a championship team. I was just going to say that the Spurs have been taking a really interesting approach to this rebuild. And I've been loading up on guys that are going to compliment when they eventually find that one slam dunk dude that is the next Duncan, quote-unquote, the next Kawhi, quote-unquote. Like, they're really, really building a wonderfully competent ecosystem that's ready to inject that superstar talent that they've been kind of seeking to put it all over the top. And I'm a little bit worried that if the Spurs happen to land Scoot or Wimby, like, it's it's on. Like, the Spurs are back, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. and, and that's... Uh, I look at the Rockets, and I'm like, if the Rockets get either one of those two fucking guys, they might just bust their whole fucking career and not even, <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's, it's got to be reassuring to say, to look at your team and, and say, after all these years with DeMar and LaMarcus, that seemed like it was, they took a shot at something, but it mm -hmm. ended up being middling and really yep. obnoxious to watch that now it's like, wow, there's this influx of really cool, interesting young guys, and all they need is that linchpin to to set it all off and and that could really seriously be around the corner this very season and that's specifically what pop said earlier this yeah. season he said all these guys we have are guys who can play on a championship team mm -hmm. we need the guy which is you know what a lot of spurs fans including myself have been saying for at least a couple of years oh. um and it seems to me that the spurs weren't gonna let a little early success derail them from their mission, which is getting a top-shelf talent through the draft. Um, and look, man, if they get Scoot or Wemby, it is on. I think I think this this rebuild could end very quickly. I do, too. I mean, if you look at what Wembenyama is doing overseas right now. Did you see that floater today? Yeah, he's absurd. He's Absolutely not. Absolutely nuts. He's unlike anything we have ever seen. Absolute freak of nature, alien. Holy shit. What... Seven five can put it on the floor. Step back threes. Obscene. He's gonna lead the NBA in blocks. I mean, the only concern with him is due to his frame if he can stay healthy. Yep. But I mean, a lot of people would argue that the European leagues and FIBA ball is now more physical than the oh, yeah. NBA, and he's yeah. doing fine. Yeah. It's definitely dirtier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. And it, with a kid with that build who's dominating like that against a bunch of fucking crotchety old guys who smoke cigarettes at halftime from Eastern Europe, you know, like you're bound to get a few shots in your knee and all, you know, all kinds of dirty shit. So, like, he's held up just fine, and he's still very young. I can only imagine coming over to the cream of the crop, the NBA with the best trainers in the world, et cetera, et cetera. Like it can only, I don't know. I, I've, I have very limited doubts about kids health. Like I think he's going to be okay. What's insane to me is Scoot Henderson is a generational prospect. There's four or five in this draft. Like the, the fucking Thompson twins are absurd. Like this. They're, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is an awesome draft, but specifically Scoot Henderson. Yep. And, the gulf between him and Victor Wembanyama is growing by the day. That's how absurd this kid is. And that's not to say that I wouldn't be absolutely thrilled if the Spurs get any of really the top six prospects in this draft. Yeah. But Wembanyama, he's the prize, man. Yeah, he is. He really is. Yeah, he's going to turn 
we'll see how cantankerous the Texas Triangle gets when the lotto odds start coming out. And everybody, <laughs> the Spurs of the Rockets, are going to be in the coin flip to land women yum. <laughs> you know, there was a time Houston and San Antonio, all we did was hang best rodeo and NBA championship banners, and now we're yep. vying for ping pong balls, which I guess is oh, fun in yeah. its own way. It kind of is, yeah. other than this whole, like, watching the games during the season part <laughs> for me this year. But uh, that'll hopefully get better, too. We'll you know, see. I, I will give the Spurs credit this. They have been watchable. They look like an NBA team. Um, for a while there, they were uh, they were passing the ball uh, keep a little team assist at a historic rate, um, which is insane considering how bad this team is. They're downright fun, yeah. honestly, most no. of the game, I feel like. Yeah, no, Pop is still an awesome coach. Yeah, he is. Um, this team's going to be good sooner rather than later. Um, one last Spurs thought. This is a random one that just hit me, but uh, what did you think of Kawhi's Pop comments? I know you, you probably saw those. Like uh, A lot of people, I've seen like a 50-50 split on Spurs Twitter where people are like, this is so disingenuous and tacky and, but then a lot of people are like, I appreciate Kawhi even saying this. Like, it just seems a little, I don't know. It, to me, it was a little cocky because of the way it all went down on the way out. Like, t- for him to act like they're still just kind of buddy-buddy was a little bit wrong, but I also still think it was a nice thing of him to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Old beef just goes bad, man. Um, yeah. The, the, the thing that caught me, that I got caught up on, on that comment, was he said Pop was one of the best coaches I've ever played yeah, with. Yeah, that cracks me up. And I was like, wait, who's who was better? <laughs> I hope he has some <laughs> random, like, AAU or high school coach that he just loves more than Pop, you know? I mean, Nick Nurse is an awesome coach. Yeah, Nick but, Nurse was a, yeah, he's a beast, but yeah. he's no Pop. Nobody's Pop, but Pop. Yeah. Period. Uh, it's fine, man. Um, I th- I think the comment came from the right place. He didn't have to say anything. I agree with that. That's where I was going to yeah. go, is that it seemed like he was at very least being genuine in his love for, for Pop. And in, in the weirdest way between the lines, what I saw was as much of an apology as we will get from Kawhi. Does that make sense? Like, I'm going to at least say nice things about this guy, but I didn't want to hurt you, Pop. I guess that's what I'm kind of saying. I interpreted a little bit. (laughs) You know, his exit from San Antonio, the sad thing about it was it just didn't have to be that way. Like, I totally understand not wanting to live in San Antonio. I'm in favor of players having autonomy over where they want to play. He's from Southern California. He doesn't have any allegiance to San Antonio. He wanted to go play in L.A. That's totally fine. I get it, dude. Uh, but I just, you know, the, the, the whole process of angling his way out, it was ugly, man. It really was. But I I guess that's the way the NBA is. You have to, you know, you have to twist the franchise's arm to get them to trade you. If you're that good. Yeah. You got to wear a fat suit under your baby blue jersey (laughs) or yeah. That will hide from your trainers when they come visit you. Uh, fucking bummer. Yeah. And it makes me sad that it seems like his health is just kind of slowly deteriorating to where he's not going to be able to play a full-time load ever again. Not that he could recently. Um, Kawhi Leonard's awesome, dude. He's had some all-time playoff performances, both of the Spurs and the Raptors and the Clippers. I mean, the the consecutive duels he had with Luka Doncic in the first round were epic. Yep. He was awesome. He was... He can get to a Michael Jordan level. When he's at his best. He yeah. is unstoppable. He's that unflappable in the playoffs. Yeah. It's absolutely nuts. But anyways, yeah, Kawhi Leonard, awesome player. Uh, wish he had stayed in San Antonio, but he didn't. 
wish he wouldn't have drugged the organization through the mud, but he did. It is Same. what it is. Yeah. Um, I wish him the best, and if you ever want to come back, I'd be happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think... I feel like even the most ardent Kawhi haters would eventually relent if he came back. They'd yeah. be like, oh, no, you're right. I'm happy. Yeah, Kawhi's back. This yeah. is cool. It just seems like his prime is over, and that makes me a little sad. Agreed, because it didn't seem like we ever fully got it because yeah, of the load management or taking a season off or this, that, or the other. It just seems like we got these little brief bursts of Kawhi Leonard, and it was incredible, but eventually he'll be forgotten because it wasn't sustained. I don't know. Maybe not forgotten. Definitely not forgotten in Toronto, but... Or San Antonio. True. Very true. Or L.A. I mean, even for as little time as he spent playing there, he's definitely either the first or second most talented clipper ever. Personally, I think Blake Griffin is the greatest clipper ever, but... Blake, not CP3. Interesting. (sighs) Yeah, I think it's Blake. All right. CP3 was more important to winning... But I think Blake was more iconic. Yeah. Clipper Blake was incredible. Yeah. Honestly, Lob City Clippers in general were one of the most fun teams to watch yeah. that I've ever seen in my in my basketball days. Also one of the bitchiest teams ever between yes. Doc Rivers and Blake Flopping and CP3. They were very easy to hate. DeAndre Jordan was a big whiner. Too. Yeah. yeah like Batum was on the team for a while. He's just a French bastard. You know how us French people are. Matt Always Barnes, whining. Yeah, Matt JJ Barnes. Redick. Wow. Yeah, they had some legendary complainers on that squad. And then you have Jamal Crawford stealing six men of the year awards because he yeah. just was the guy who scored the most points off the bench. Because the media is lazy and they're yeah. voting, basically. Yeah. yeah. Who plays most and scores the most? That's who I'm voting for. It's a stupid award anyways. Yeah, it kind of is a little bit. Yeah. It, it, if it's going to be taken so unseriously, it is a yeah. stupid award. Yeah. It's the same as rookie of the year. It's, you know, which rookie scored the most points? Yep. Yeah. Pretty much. Generally. Pretty fucking much. Ah, well, shall we try to do it without David? Talk a little Mavs. There's been some kind of interesting, fun dynamics with the Mavs. Like, all their differentials and plus minus and net ratings and everything are phenomenal. And yet they're still kind of hovering around 500, slightly above. And it just seems like a weird season for them so far. Is Luka Bowl the problem? I was just going to get, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know because part of me as a Rockets fan that lived through Harden Ball says the only reason we had any success for all those years was Harden Ball, but also Harden Ball was the problem why we never had the ultimate success. Does that does that make sense? Like It makes perfect sense, but then again, you look at this Mavs roster outside of Luka and it's not inspiring. No. Christian Wood is balling out out of his mind on offense, but he but can't. he's still Christian Wood. Exactly, he's setting lazy screens. He's not rolling hard. Uh, his defense is suspect at best, and he can't earn minutes in Jason Kidd's rotation because of I don't know. That whole vibe is very weird. Other than that, I don't see. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. doesn't look himself coming back. It's still early, but he's coming off a pretty big injury, and he doesn't seem like he's got all of his his old juice back. It just seems like a kind of meh other than Luca roster. Yeah. I I mean, Luca is so special. He's off to a historic start. So I think it's, I guess it's the wrong question to ask if Luca ball is the problem. It's just that this team is so Luca centric and they rush the rebuild around him to such an extent that he is everything to them. 
And I mean, if you're going to have a player be your everything, I guess Luka Doncic is as good as it gets. But absolutely. I mean, goddamn. The, the, the roster building in Dallas, really for the last decade, has been atrocious. It really has. Since they tore down the championship roster the year after to chase Dwight yeah. and Dwight and uh, fucking Darren Williams, they haven't really been excelling in that regard, for yeah. sure. And this team, to me, is it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, like you were talking about, like, to find you need a co-star, obviously, to work with Luca, so Luca doesn't have to carry the whole load like that. But Luca seems like kind of a James on the Rockets situation where he wants to carry the whole load, and that's the way they're gonna play because that's the way Luca likes to play. And it's hard to find a co-star who wants to join an environment where they're not a really a co-star. They're just kind of a role player to this other guy who runs the whole show. And and you have to find the right guy like that can be a your turn, my turn type of guy with Luca, but still get along with him. And uh, the whole thing seems like it's going to be a really difficult road towards building the right roster to take Luka Doncic to a title in Dallas, but that that also might end up being partially his problem. And, yeah. and, and it's just a fascinating as an outsider, not rooting for it inside, like to see the whole James Harden Rockets situation basically playing out somewhere else with an arguably more talented player. I'm going to finally go ahead and admit that, but like not even arguably Luca's going to be way better than Harden ever was, but it's just, it's strange to see this kind of heliocentric. One guy is the whole thing show rushing the roster, building the roster, trying to keep him happy as you do, but maybe making impatient moves in the process. <laughs> like it's just a whole it's a whole vibe having a player that commands that much of the focus. And to some extent, I reject the notion that you need a traditional second superstar. You can have a guy who's a superstar in his role, you know, um, who's to say that the second superstar in this match team can't be a guy who's an exceptional defender and passer and yeah. can also score. Why can't it be like a Chris Bosch? Yeah. Not, I mean, that guy's not in the NBA anymore, but a guy who could play that role. Yeah, I don't know. I know what you mean. With the magnitude of a star that Luca is, you guys, you need the guys who can compliment him. Guys who can be stars in their role or superstars in their role. Yep. Um, it's just tough. It's tough because there aren't a lot of those guys. And also, I feel like the Mavs are one of the rare franchises that have won a title with the one star and then guys who are stars in their role approach as yeah. well. And, and so they might be hooked on that and they're trying to just fill them out with the right role players but they've been but it's just it's a clunky fit yes i mean it's just been clunky fit after clunky fit every year is they're getting role players who like you know guys who like don't really play defense or they need the ball in their hands a little too much and it's no you know yes i agree it's just uh they feel this constant pressure to move because they have luca and you only have Luca for so long if you're not making the right moves. And you got to keep him and keep your roster looking nice and, and make sure Luca has a contender around him at all times. But it makes you desperate and they're making strange moves that are, like you said, clunky is the best word I can describe this roster with right now. When Luca's not in there, it's just who the fuck is scoring besides Christian Wood. And then you can't have Christian Wood is an awesome basketball player. We give him a lot of shit on this podcast, but. A lot of that is mostly attitude. It's not talent. Like, he's a phenomenal basketball player. But if that's your second banana as far as scoring goes, 
and you just let Jalen Brunson walk for nothing, what is the path forward? Are there any trades you make this season or can make this season that objectively impact things to the point you need them to? If not, does wasting a season, quote unquote, piss off Luca or get him get the t- the clock ticking there like there's just a, they're in such a precarious position right now in spite of having one of the five best players in basketball like the Mavs whole roster construct and future moving forward is just fascinating to me well as long as they have Luca and they're able to get into the playoffs they're gonna have a puncher's chance exactly uh, so I guess there's, it's not a wasted season and Luca doesn't disappear in the playoffs quite the opposite yeah so that, that's something to be said as well it's, you know, we, we've harped on this every Mav segment we've ever done, but since the Porzingis trade, the first Porzingis trade, the one that brought him to Dallas, this team basically locked themselves into mediocrity around Luka. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't know what Luka's going to do when it's his time or it's his opportunity to move on. I don't really care. We're in the player movement era. I mean, it kind of seems like regardless of what market you're in at this point, you're on the clock with your superstars. It's yeah, wild, man. My theory is that these guys were raised playing 2K. <laughs> so just, you know, moving from team to team is normal. It's no big deal to yeah. them. Yeah, they, yeah. I, know, I could see that. It's a, it's a new age. Um, There's not a player in the league that hasn't played 2K their entire adolescent life by now. You know? Other than Luka, he's, he's different, man. Yeah. Those Eastern European guys are different. Yeah, what did he say the other day? I don't know. I don't check Twitter. I just play chess on my phone. Yeah. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is this guy, man? Like, that's awesome. <laughs> it's really on brand. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't. I don't see a way immediately out for the Mavs via movement with the roster. Like, I don't see any great trades available or anyone they could finesse to bring in the right talent around Luka immediately. And then it's like, is this season then become a wash or a loss because of that? But I don't think necessarily they could still overachieve, but it's just a tough situation for them right now as far as development and getting over the hump Mm. of a second round conference finals level team because that's your floor with Luca. And if you look at their war chest, they don't have a ton of super valuable assets to, to woo someone in a move in a, in a trade. Um, <laughs> it sucks, man. Cause they've got the one thing you need, Yeah, <laughs> but they don't have all the other stuff you need to supplement it. Yes. Um, it's bizarre. It's just a bizarre roster construct. It just feels dumb lucked into. And I guess mm-hmm. it technically was, but it's just weird, man. I want I want so badly for this to click, but yeah. I, I just don't see a real realistic way that it does. It just pisses me off that we have to deal with Luca in Dallas because the Kings are incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> Yay, Sacramento. But hey, they're kind of looking a little bit more like an NBA team this year. That's a little fun. I don't know, whatever. The offense is pretty historic. Yeah, I mean, Sabonis is just, man. He He's a rotating door on defense. Yeah, he is. Yeah. But he's fun on offense, I will say that. He is. Foggs is awesome, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we uh, 
obliterated the usual Mavs discourse that we have, which is what the fuck are they doing around Luca? How the fuck are they not doing anymore around Luca? And then you kind of come full circle and realize there's nothing they can do around Luca. They've boxed themselves into this fucking corner. Um, shall we move on? Hit some of the other league news other let's just not talk Kyrie Irving please my god that whole thing is I, I know we haven't addressed it directly or whatever we've been off the, at the game for a little while but I think everybody has addressed that well enough for for everybody else at this point and yeah everybody knows the old Kyrie yeah it's Kyrie Irving uh, can we really be surprised at anything at this point just I let's let's just say the Rockets own Brooklyn's pick and while they look like they're figuring it out at the moment, Kyrie's coming back, and God only knows what's going to happen at that point. So Ben Simmons looks a little better. Ben Simmons has looked really nice the last two, three games. Honestly, yeah. since that story dropped about Brooklyn having doubts about his will to do it, mm. uh, he seems like he was really hurt by that and has made a point to step up and be like, yeah, I fucking want to do it. Like, shut up. God, at this point, I feel bad for Ben Simmons, man. I do, too. I'm, I'm full on full circle rooting for him now. Like I used to, I was laughing for a while and then it was like, man, fuck this guy because he really seemed like he was being kind of a brat. Um, and then it's like, man, I kind of maybe have misread the brat thing and, and I feel a little bad. Like this guy was going through it. He was in great physical pain and, and yeah. mental anguish. And he, he probably we should have had his had his back a little more. Well, I mean, if you, if you retrace the entire saga. So, you know, the Hawk series wasn't great for him. Terrible. He made a bad play for which he was lambasted by his teammates, his coach. This coach, the the fans of the team he was playing for, um, which understandably shook his confidence and made him say, fuck you, I don't want to play with you anymore. Yeah. Um, then he had a back injury. He had to have back surgery and extensive rehab. Yep. You know, he's been mocked endlessly by pundits, by people on Twitter, and not all of it was deserved at all. No. And, you know, he was called a liar for citing mental health issues for why he didn't want to go back to Philadelphia, even though, in hindsight, it looks pretty fucking legitimate to me. Yeah. It's like Rocket's Twitter on steroids up there. You know, like, I would be I would be pretty... I would be in agony with the Philly fans, too. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, dude, Philly fans suck. Like, yeah, they do. All the rights to Ricky Sanchez guys, like, fuck them. Yep. That fan base doesn't deserve Embiid. No, they don't. Yeah. Well, fuck. The way it's rolling, they, I don't know. They might not have him for his whole career, but who knows? We'll see. That's just, that's for another time. It's yeah. another couple years down the road, probably. I mean, if you want to talk about a team that has botched opportunity after opportunity, the Sixers would be up there. Yeah, they would. Yeah. To be fair, I think one of their big botches was the whole Colangelo hinky swap. And oh, I yeah. think that the, uh, yeah. it felt like the league got involved there, uh, but still, you're you're absolutely right. And I don't know, I don't know that I see Daryl really changing that. I think he's made a lot of emotional moves that are very unanalytic, uncold, and analytic, like he usually types. Like likes bringing to move. back the 2019 Rockets yeah, to play in, with Joel in his entirety. PJ Tucker hasn't scored a point in four games. Uh, it's just like, and you don't need him to score 15 or anything, but you'd like yeah. him to hit two corner threes. At Daniel least, House you know? has been nice. Yeah, House has looked really good, actually, yeah. which is nice. Yeah, 40 House, get it, boy. <laughs> um, 
he's actually a cool dude and he's a good Houstonian. Like I, I we joke about Daniel House because of the way it went down at the end of the Rockets career, but he's a cool dude. Horny legend. A horny legend, man. Remember when uh who was the vet center on the roster that tried to take the fall for him? Why don't I remember? It was Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler Tyson tried to come out and say, no, it was me, not Daniel House, that brought the guest in. And the NBA was like, fuck you, we have security footage. But he tried to fall on the sword and be like, no, suspend me. What Did he sneak in an Uber Eats driver? Was uh, that what happened? I think it, yeah, it was something like that. Or, or, a, or a maid or something from the hotel. You know, like it was like a totally, yeah, just a straight booty call in the middle middle of a fucking coronavirus bubble legendary rockets moment that squad was looking kind of all right when anthony davis happened yeah and russ russ got hurt yeah and we didn't have our starting center (laughs) (laughs) all right we got on the rockets again though like i feel like we need to talk about at least utah that's weird as shit what they're doing and is it gonna i think it's gonna keep going like they seem like they're just a good fucking team like does Ainge pull the plug on this that would be the most merciless <laughs> obvious adamant tank we've ever seen and I don't know that the league would fully stand for it dude if they could go, get a lot for Lori Markin right they now. could and Conley honestly looks re- he, he looks revived and like he could be a, a good trade candidate finally even in spite of the salary I've been thriving on the Lori Markin nicknames the marksman the finisher <laughs> yeah the finisher is so good dude it's so good <laughs> Oh man, almost as good as the uh, I I always they 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 switched it up to the Stifle Tower, but I think the French Rejection was always a really nice Rudy Gobert <laughs> nickname. I always thought that was tight. The finishers on that level for me. But the Jazz are really really good and really well coached, and they kind of put this random hodgepodge of players together, thinking it would just suck because it's so random. But they got exactly the right guy to decode that puzzle and hired him as head coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I don't see anything barring a trade or injury that stops this team from continuing to play winning basketball as constructed. I do think it'll level out a little bit, but the start has been so hot that it's going to be hard to fall far enough. Yep. Even if they trade all these vets, because we're you know, it's hard to believe, but we're almost like a quarter of the way into the season. Yep, or we are a quarter quick. of the way into the season. Um, Rockets still have two wins, by the way. I thought it was three. Uh, is it three now? Yeah, you're right. It's three. Three total wins. I apologize, Steven Silas. Coach Silas. It'll turn around. <laughs> um, yeah. But, I, I mean, this is fine. You know, MD and Utah wedding, it's just kind of, you know, clearing the trees for the Spurs to, uh, you know, secure a top four five lotto pick so i'm not mad at it and honestly it's been fun as hell it has i think the the moral conundrum upcoming for ainge is probably the most interesting aspect for me it's like you you clearly had a goal coming into this to tear it down and and bottom out and the team and coach said never mind we're gonna be good and I, i i'm curious to see if how drastically the front office moves to correct this well, I just think it'd be a bad look, but also really funny. I don't think they can correct it. Even if they sold off Conley and Clarkson, the team's still going to be okay-ish. Yeah. But then again, you know, Ainge has never let morality stop him from making basketball moves. True. But I don't know. The Jazz are just, they're plucky and fun. And I hope that their veterans get the kind of uh, treatment that they deserve and and 
it's just also been really funny to see one of the foundational pieces get sent to the wolves for this epic package and it seems like it's completely <laughs> wrecked everything on that team and everybody hates it that's involved with it and it's just weird the way the jazz got rid of the two cornerstones and got seemingly better yeah it's just funny i love when 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 shit like that happens in the nba so what do the wolves do now i mean the clock is ticking on cat yep. in minnesota you know, honestly, I'm coming right out the gate. I think they need to just, I, I don't know. I think trading Carl Anthony Towns is the move. But that's such a weird, like, any kind of action that makes it Rudy Gobert's team, I think is also, I think I'm parroting a Zach Lowe point from this week. But I think that that's a foolish move as well. It's like It needs to be an Ant Edwards-centric pivot, I guess. Yeah. But, but then again, Ant Edwards hasn't really shown the maturity nope. to lead a team that has the aspirations that the Wolves thought they did. Yeah, it's a shitty situation. Wolves get a Wolves, man. Yeah. Do they need Pat Beverly back? As weird as that sounds, I'm being completely serious. Like, we made a lot of Pat Bev jokes, and, and we're very facetious about Pat Bev and his whole energy and vibe a lot of the times, but it really seemed like that type of figure was a helpful thing to this team last year and, and got everybody to kind of focus up and... I guess so. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought they just had talent. Anthony Edwards is awesome. Cat was awesome. Jaden McDaniels, you know, they had a lot of pieces. Uh, D'Lo looked a lot better last year than he has this year. Yeah. And they, they sacrificed a lot of what made that team fun for Gobert. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, Cat's been good, but I feel like he's less special playing the four. Yes. No, no, well put. Well put. Yeah, he's less of a what the quote unquote unicorn, you yeah. know, as, 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 than he was at the five, and now he's a lot more just bombs away. Like he doesn't he, he's never been like a banger in the post that's really fucking physical and brutish, but he's still had that element of his game a lot more when he played the five full time. Yeah, and, because he could use all of that stretch and yes. quickness and ball handling yes. to torment opposing centers, and then, you know. Those dynamics aren't quite there when he's playing the four. I mean, yeah. I look back to the Spurs game, and Jeremy Sohan did an awesome job on him because, you know, Cat couldn't really punish him in the post. No, he's predictable when he's yeah. playing the four. Yeah. So. The Wolves are interesting. I, I still think to an extent they write the ship. I have a lot of faith in Chris Finch, like I mentioned earlier. I think he's a very good coach. I was sad that the Rockets kind of lost him from, from the internal coaching tree. But, uh it's looking rough and, and the Scobert thing, the amount of capital they gave up for him, for him to come in and look this clunky and look like it's negatively impacting every aspect of their team so much is really alarming. I don't know. I would be worried if I was a, an excited Wolves fan. Yeah. Gobert's not young anymore. Quote oh. by, I mean, by NBA standards, he's not young anymore. He's still a young person. He's yes. what? 31. Yeah. He's um, very young by my standards, but not the NBA standards. I'm already a head coach by NBA age standards. <laughs> You're like a G League coach. <laughs> Wait, uh, is Will Hardy? I think Will, he's a couple years older than you. Is he? I was about yeah. to say, I think Will Hardy might be younger than me, dude. I don't know. I think Will Hardy's 38. 30, okay, good. All right, cool. I guess still got a couple years then. Ugh. That's still a young person by my measurement, but it's, it's subjective. Yeah, true. But it's just a really, it's been a really fun 
NBA season so far, just quirky and weird. And a lot of the things that everybody was kind of taking as consensus knowledge coming in are just out the window. Um, it's been quirky and weird and terrible as yeah. well. A lot of terrible shit has happened in the NBA. Horrendously, like, scandal-ridden and fucking just... It's just been wild. The refereeing has been horrendously bad. That's been really fun. You um, know, historically in the NBA, when bad things happen, they were funny. Yeah. You know? Like Rudy Gobert starting the coronavirus. That was hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah, like, really, objectively hilarious when you look back at it. Yeah. But now, I mean, you've got Kyrie Irving being a Holocaust denier and Josh <laughs> Prebo being a sex offender and Miles Bridges yep. being a, a spouse abuse. It's, it's yep. horrible. It's not funny. It's not fun. The whole thing is just very weird. Yeah. I don't know. Everybody seems real on edge in the NBA world this year. It sucks, man. It does. Because uh, it used to be just, yeah, like you said, very carefree and fun. Even with... Uh, I don't know, like, I feel like if Twitter were around, Malice in the Palace would have been a lot less of a big deal. It would have been a lot funnier thing. Like been, everyone, it's yeah. still funny and awesome. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, but, like, even that level of shit, everybody has had a typically pretty light heart about with yeah. the NBA, and now it's like you can't have a light heart about most of the shit that's happening with the, the bad stuff in the NBA right now. My favorite thing about that Malice in the Palace documentary is it shed light on, you know, the players who went in the stands... It was almost justifiable. Yeah. Yeah. Those those fans deserve to get the shit kicked out of them, in my opinion. The very first one that got punched by our test literally charged onto the court and yeah. started it. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The one who everybody mistakes for uh, Turtle from Montaraj, <laughs> he has to tweet every year that that's not him. <laughs> no, there's there's one, one fan from that melee. Jermaine O'Neal takes a swing at him and misses. But if he had made contact on that punch, dead. That guy would have died. Dead. He would have fucking died. Straight up. Yeah. yeah. Straight up, man. No, I agree. I just still, I find it still just uproar. Like I, I just, I laugh hysterically that Ron Artest and that guy that he fought <laughs> go to dinner every year. <laughs> Ron Artest is in Indy when they play. Like they're still buddies. That just cracks me up. I, I don't know. He just seems like a cool dude. If the, the you could bury that hatchet. Both of those guys seem to be pretty cool. <laughs> you know, Ron Artest, the player, is kind of going to be forgotten. Should it be? One of the greatest defenders I've ever seen. Because, you know, Ron Artest, the personality, is so much bigger. But, <laughs> dude, that guy was awesome. He was Kawhi Leonard before Kawhi Leonard. Yes, literally. Yeah. yeah. Well put. His one season with the Rockets, I've never wanted them to re-sign a player more than that yeah. year with Ron Artest. Like, it was just like, holy shit, he completely changed. He, he made... Without one or both of Yao and Tracy, he made that team a winner still. Like, I so badly wanted that Rockets team to beat the Lakers. <sighs> Me too. Man. So, so badly. I remember I, I cried when Dikembe went down, and then later, I think it was the same game even, Yao had that injury, and it was just like, oh, fuck, it's over. Yeah. It's over. Uh, man, that was depressing. That was the season that literally I had taken a little hiatus from following basketball, and that was the one that got me back into it. Like that whole Rockets team and the big win streak and fucking skip to my Lou Rafer Alston <laughs> and Vaughn Wafer and all these weird misfit characters. They uh, Carl Landry and all these guys they assembled that were just fun and, and cool. Other than 2018, that was the only time in my life that I have sincerely rooted for the Rockets to win a playoff <laughs> series. Man, uh, 2018. 
I hear our music queuing up now. We're just gonna go out on this depressed note of me just being like, ugh, fucking 2018. Let me tell you about 2018, kids. Well, yeah, no, it's good to be back, man. I'm, I'm happy to be talking basketball again. We'll, we'll get into some more wrestling and, and other weird basketball shit on future episodes, I'm sure. But this was just, it was, it was nice to grease the wheels a little bit. Yeah. Chit chat. Anything else you want to hit? No, I think we can go grease each other up now. Yeah, we're going to grease the real wheels. <laughs> holler, holler if you hear us. Thank you guys for listening and sticking with us. Uh, we won't be gone that, that long again, I promise.